Hey everybody, Darren here, episode 235. Thanks for joining me here. This is the pre-intro introduction. Just warning you, the intro that you're about to hear, I recorded specifically for YouTube. My mic was a little hot, so it's kind of clipping a little bit. It's a little, it's not super loud, it's just the, the quality isn't great. Um, once you get through that intro, everything else is dandy after that. So apologies for that. Hang with me for the next minute 45 or so. All right, hop with me, if you will, back in the time machine here, and let's go back, assuming you're a little bit older, to your early 20s, let's say. Now think, close your eyes, think about what is the dumbest shit that you did in your early 20s. Now imagine fast-forwarding 10, 12, 14 years and going onto a podcast and talking about it. So that is what I bring to you today as I interview new IFBB pro in women's bodybuilding, Hannah Hussein. So uh, we do talk about some of the dumb things, admittedly, that she did during her early bodybuilding days and you know, if she has any regrets regarding that. But we focus a lot on what she's doing now, somebody who has been competing for over 10 years finally got that pro card that she's been chasing, has seen tremendous development in her physique over that time, and now realizing that, okay, with all that work that I've done, now I need to level up again to compete at the next level. So what does version 2.0 of Hannah Hussein look like how does she plan on getting there? That's what we're going to cover today. So, uh, as always, uh, you can find this uh, podcast streaming on any podcast source. If you're watching this on YouTube, hey, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe. If you're listening to the audio-only version of this, then you can't see this face. Lucky you. Uh, feel free to leave a review. Share the post online with all your friends. Tag me in it. I'm on Instagram at Darren underscore star. Appreciate any love that you want to send me in that direction. You can also check out my website at fivestarphysique.com. Check out uh, old podcast episodes. The whole archive is up there. Read about the coaching programs that I offer. See workout programs. Get some cool swag for yourself. Whatever you want. Uh, but with all that aside, let's get to the meat and potatoes that everyone's here for now. My interview with newly crowned women's bodybuilding IFBB pro, Hannah Hussein. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set, with your host, Darren Starr. Hannah Hussein, welcome to The Drop Set. Here we are. Hi. <laughs> uh, so thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time. We were supposed to do this last week, and my studio was not ready. Uh, I had painters in here, so we had to push it off to this week. Um, which we were going to hit this before your birthday, if I remember correctly. And instead, yeah, the day before, yeah. Yeah, instead it is post birthday. So happy belated birthday. Thank you. You do anything fun? Um, I, I got my ears pierced. <laughs> Repierced. <laughs> I, I, I got them when I was 16. Um, and then I just, I took the earrings out at some point and they closed up. So, yeah. I was going to say, isn't that something you normally do at like 14 or 15 or 16 or something? I think I was like 15 when I got them done the first time. Well, very edgy. Yeah, I have all this other stuff. So one of my friends was like, hey, like you never wear normal earrings and it looks weird. So, <laughs> Well, to each their own. Uh, so did, uh, here's the, the real question. This will kind of segue. I have some some questions from that were submitted from other people. Okay. Um did you do anything fun food-wise for your birthday? I went, don't tell my coach, I went to Olive Garden. Okay, who is your coach? 
Uh, his name is Jake Salisbury. He's he he's probably he might watch this. He watches a lot of my stuff. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Jake. Oh no, 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 no. We're we're no, gonna, gonna we're we're gonna conference him in right now. <laughs> Olive Garden. Okay, that's that's fair. I haven't eaten at Olive Garden in probably fifteen years. Really? It's yeah. amazing. Well, you should go. It's so good. I have good memories of it, but I feel like now, like you know, last time I would have eaten there would have been in my twenties, and I feel like. I, I would probably feel different about it now. I don't know. That's fair. A lot of people are like, oh, it's like it's like the fast food of Italian, I guess. But man, I love trash food, so I'm I just accept it. Right. I love Taco Bell. I'm not gonna try to deny it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I remember I was I was coaching somebody once and we'd gone and started prep at like 18 weeks out. Got to the point where she was six weeks out. She was like crashing and burning. I'm like, you need a cheat meal. Go hit something. So she did. And afterwards, I'm like, what'd you get? And she's like, Taco Bell. And yeah. I tell you, I judged her so hard. I'm oh. like, are you kidding me? Taco fucking Bell? Are you serious? That's exactly what I would have done. And you know what? I had a Taco Bell drive through yesterday. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not immune to it. Wait, do you, you didn't like it? No, I was great. Are you kidding me? Oh, I loved right. it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's insane. I'm just thinking, like, you're in prep. You haven't had, like, any, like, really good food for, like, 12 weeks. Taco yeah. Bell wouldn't be my first choice, but. It would be my first choice. It actually was my first after, after I got my pro card, that's, like, the first thing that I wanted was Taco Bell. That's probably what you're doing right after this interview, isn't it? No, because. You're the bug in your head. You're thinking about it. <laughs> no, because I ha like I'm on a mini cut right now. I just started it after my birthday um, because I'm probably going to have a photo shoot next uh, the end of November. And so, no, but I, I will. I will be having that probably after. Yeah. Hell yeah. OK, uh, so here's the thing. Like you, you got your pro card at North Americans, mm -hmm. which was I'm trying to remember August, was it? Uh, it was September 1st. September 1st, almost August. That's right. It, some of it was at the end of August, and then it spilled into September because it was like five days long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I saw that you got your pro card there, and I was thinking like, huh, I already thought she was a pro. Uh, um, because like you kind of – I mean, you, you look like one, even if you didn't have the status, and there are some people like that. Like they've got a pro-level physique – but they just haven't got the card yet. So uh, I was kind of surprised. I was like, huh, okay, that's interesting. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a good problem to have, I guess. Um, you know, I've, I know like some people, like if you look at like some of the old pros, like Michelle Ivers Brent, like how many national level shows did she compete in? And she, but before getting a pro card, she was like, spent like 12, 15 years competing at the national level before finally getting it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, a couple of the questions that we had submitted here are kind of relevant. So if I could dig those up really quick. Um, yeah. So this is from uh, Temple Builder Fitness on Instagram. Biggest lesson you've learned from your first show to now being a pro? Um, definitely that the people you surround yourself with um, have more of an impact on your life than you realize. Um, and I think that's the the biggest lesson that I've learned because that's made all the difference. So how has that changed for you? Like the circle that, that you have around you now, how has that changed from when, when you started till now? Um, so I 
when I switched to a coach that, um, for the first time, I really feel like, um, caters to all my needs instead of just some, like there I've worked with good coaches. I've worked with really bad coaches. Um, and I'm not gonna, you know, call anybody out, but I've never had one that was complete for me. So it's either been, um, they keep me too healthy and they don't get me lean enough or they push a lot of more drugs than I am comfortable with and more than my body will really tolerate. Um, and I never had like the in-between, you know, in, in this industry, you have to, there's some things you have to do. Right. Um, but I never had a coach until now that really kind of is the complete package. Um, and then in my personal life, um, I was, I had been dating some or on and off dating somebody for the past eight years. This was almost two years ago. Um, and kind of like, I knew we weren't right for each other, but there, our living situation was more or less comfortable. Like we were roommates. It's convenient. Exactly. Convenient. And then there was the hassle of one of us moving out. And so I kind of drug my feet in ending that relationship. And once I finally did that, it was like a huge shift in my personality. And like, I, it was almost like I had a really low level of depression and didn't realize it. And he wasn't a bad person. It was just, we did not make each other better. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Was he, was he supporting supportive of everything you're doing in bodybuilding? No, actually the opposite. If, you know, um, say I got a sponsorship deal or whatever, um, he would almost make me feel bad about it. Like he would be like, Oh, must be nice. You know, must be nice to have things handed to you when he saw me. Cause you know, we'd known each other for 10 years. We lived together for eight. He saw me work two jobs. He saw me get up at 5am and go to school and train people throughout the day. And, you know, live paycheck to paycheck and still get in the gym. And I'm like, how was this handed to me? <laughs> you Seriously. know? Yeah. Um, but it was because he wasn't getting perks from, you know, what he, he thought in his head, because we did the same thing, he should be getting the perks that I was getting. Mm. Um, so I think there was some resentment there, um, which fine. I, I don't, he's not a bad person, but like I said, we didn't make each other better. <laughs> and then once, I finally, there were some things that happened that made it to where uh, I could not ignore anymore. And I finally kicked him out and it was like a huge, just my life completely changed for the better. Was it like an immediate, like, oh, this was the right decision. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like, <laughs> I actually had somebody in the gym that had seen me. He's been seeing me for years and didn't know my situation at all. And he came up to me one day, like a couple weeks after, and he was like, it looks like a physical weight has been lifted off your shoulders. He's like, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. I was like, <laughs> well, that, it's cool when it's so immediate like that, because you don't spend that time questioning like, man, was that the right decision? I don't know. So it's like, you know, and I've been in those situations before where it's like, okay, this might suck in the short term, but it's absolutely going to be the right move. Yeah. And it, 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 to be honest, it didn't even suck in the short term. It kind of, <laughs> It was kind of like the day that he left. I was like, this, this was the right choice. Uh, nice. Nice. All right. Well, that that's awesome. And 
uh, I, I want to dig in a little bit more on the circle. So we talked about relationship, um, coach. Um, what about, you know, other friends, um, family, like what kind of support or, you know, do you have anyone in your life who's been antagonistic about what you're doing that you've had to kind of distance yourself from, or do you, are you generally pretty well supported? Um, in my circle now, I'm very well supported. Like, um, both my sisters, I have a twin sister. She's really supportive. Uh, my older sister, both my brothers, um, uh, my, my coach is also my training partner and he's like nice. my biggest fan. So like, um, the friends that I hang around with right now, um, really everyone in my circle right now is very supportive. The, the, some of the people that were like, when I started getting into this before I, before I, you know, became a pro and before I started getting actual, you know, paid back, I, I never got into it to get paid back from it, you know? Um, but I guess it has credibility now because people see it, it's, you know, it served me, I guess. Um, and before that, my mom was really against it, like really against it. She, um, would regularly make comments about muscular women, about how they were gross. And, um, when I first started, I had zero support. In fact, um, there was people actively trying to prevent me from, um, you know, competing and, and working out really. <laughs> mm. Um, that, that's hard because then if you do it and to achieve like any kind of success, like you're swimming upstream every single day against that. Yeah. And it, and it really was tough. Like when I was first getting into it, because like I said, it, it wasn't really paying me back either. It was just kind of like, I would go to the gym. I mean, in my job, I guess, because, um, I got a lot of, when I was personal training full-time, um, people want to work out with the person that looks like they lift. Right. And so in that sense, it helps, but that was the only aspect of my life that it really helped. Like even, the guy I was dating at the time would regularly be like, Oh, it's gross that you have callus on your hands. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's a weird thing. I've heard that before. And I'm like, that just means that you do work. Like, <laughs> yeah. If, if somebody were to tell me that now, I'd be like, okay, you know, then, don't, then you don't need to be in my life. Right. So, <laughs> like if that's what you're worried about, um, but yeah, it was, it's, it was a complete, it's completely opposite now with the support system I have, because, well, now I'm at the point where I don't, I don't need to let anyone in my life that doesn't support me, you know? So back then I was kind of at the mercy of, you know, I still lived at home when I was, when I first started, cause I was 16. Um, and I didn't have any money. So <laughs> you got to keep some people happy there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, when you when you started out like did was it the kind of thing where it's like you start to experience some success and whether that's you know in a show or you just start to see changes in your physique that you're trying to make happen you're like oh that's cool and that's a little bit validating and it kind of makes it a little bit easier or was it always something where you were like okay this is what i'm doing and like did you have the goal of when you first started out like i want to be a bodybuilder i want to turn pro or did it kind of evolve into that um, it, it evolved because I didn't know, um, that the whole world of bodybuilding existed, um, <laughs> until I actually competed. So 
I was very sheltered as a kid. Uh, my mom did not allow us more than 30 minutes of TV a day. <laughs> um, there was a lot of things that she didn't allow. And um, my, so I didn't, I didn't know this whole world existed. Um, I saw a, mag, a muscle and fitness magazine when I was 16 and working at a grocery store. And um, there was a female, I, she might've been a bodybuilder. Then she might've been like what physique is now. Okay. Um, and I immediately was just drawn to it. Like, I, I don't know what. There's just something in the way the brain is wired. It's like, that is like the, the flame. And some people are just drawn to it like a moth. Yep. It, yeah. It, that's what it felt like. And I was like, I hadn't in that from then on, I had no doubt in my mind. I was like, I'm going to do this, whether people, you know, support me or not. So I already, I already had that in my head, um, but I didn't start getting validated in it, which started making things easier until later on. So um, from that point on, I, I joined a gym. Um, I was, I was athletic my whole like youth because I did triathlons and I did gymnastics and stuff like that. Um, but I made this, the conscious switch to weight training um, after seeing that magazine mm. and it's kind of ventured into off the cardio machines which is what i was doing for triathlons and stuff into the weight area and then that's when i met um a personal trainer there that like saw me doing a machines really wrong i wish i could have remembered what i was doing because he stopped like, me like upside, hey let me <laughs> upside down in the chest press or something <laughs> something crazy probably um <laughs> i'll have to ask him because i want to remember because he was like yeah just let me show it was it was that apparent that i didn't know what i was doing for him to come over and talk to me well, i think it's funny that as soon as you found out what bodybuilding was you're like that's it yeah um, yeah it was like a missing puzzle piece or something that's cool that's really cool you, you mentioned working as a trainer do you still do that um i still i keep probably like five clients right now um but i'm not really looking for any more um so I, yes, technically, yes, I still do. It's just not very, very often. So, so you'll have a little bit of a background to answer this with some perspective, because I maintain that people who are active athletic growing up, and especially if they have a gymnastics background, they are like more, I don't know if it's genetics or if it's just like some kind of muscle memory thing that kicks it at an early age, but they mm -hmm. are almost universally more predisposed towards being successful in bodybuilding if they choose to go that way. Like, have you seen stuff that backs that up or have you seen things counter to that? Yes. Um, in the sense that I am very resistant to injury. Mm. So, um, so my, my, my coach slash training partner, he is younger than me. He's, he's 29. Right. Um, and he'll regularly, you know, have to, um, ease up on some things and, and granted he's got some old injuries from powerlifting and stuff. Um, but any training partner I've ever had, I've always been way less injury prone. So we'll do some of the same things and, and, I, um, and I think it has to do with my flexibility because I still to this day, like I can, my feet lay completely flat. So, um, if, like if I were to like roll my ankle, it wouldn't do anything because they're so flexible. Like, oh, it just does that anyway. 
Yeah. And same thing with like, you know, anything in the gym that maybe I'm not completely warmed up. I'm still, I still have like that, um, flexible, natural flexibility that I think keeps me from injuring myself. I call it body forgiveness. Yeah. That's like, a good term for it. Yeah. Yeah. And do, do you do a lot to maintain that flexibility or is it really just kind of Nothing. a natural thing? Not at all. Not, not a thing. I, I officially fucking hate you completely <laughs> right now. So it's just unfair. <laughs> Because, like, I've been to yoga classes here and there in the years, and they'll be like, oh, well, you know, do this, do this, uh, this is a hard one. And I'll get into the position, and I'm like, when is it supposed to get hard? I'll, like, just, I'll just stay here and eat lunch. This is fine. Yeah. That's so I, I'm pretty sure that came from gymnastics. I mean, it had to. And I guess you were probably, I mean, there, there's probably a good chance you were kind of predisposed towards that before gymnastics. And so, therefore, that kind of came a little bit more easier to you. Also. maybe yeah yeah chicken and the egg we'll probably never know yeah yeah um this is a question from um courtney bias who's a friend of mine local here in knoxville um what was your mindset going into north americans um honestly i knew i was gonna win and i th i don't say that wow. to sound <laughs> cocky <laughs> um i'm not trying but i feel like for that show and for that weight class, because I, you know, I, I did meet a weight class. Um, Middleweight, right? It, uh, no, I was lightweight. Lightweight, okay. I was in the 125 and under. Okay. Um, I just, I felt like I was going to win. Um, and I guess that was my mindset because I would not, um, up, I mean, that that was probably the best, not probably, it was the best package I've ever brought to a stage. Um, and then I, I had even more confidence going in because using my new coach, the coach that I have now, I knew he wasn't going to diuretic me. And so I knew I was going to come in with the exact condition that I was used to leading up to that show. So one of the mistakes I would make in the past, um, I don't know if it, well, I wouldn't say me, but the coach, the mistake I made was using a coach that did not agree with my body. Mm -hmm. um, I do not do well on diuretics at all. And not even like, and I know, you know, you're, you're versed in this stuff. So even like a quarter of a diazide will completely flatten me out. Um, it's insane. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is it will for almost everybody. It's just, everybody is so conditioned to think that water is the enemy. Yeah. Like without water, you can't get a pump. Exactly. And, and without a pump, you're going to look like shit. Yeah. Like you might be exactly. lean, but you're going to be flat and it's not going to be impressive. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm a fish. I drink so much water and, and I can literally feel once if a coach pulls my water, I can feel the stress, my body stress out. I can feel it's like a whole body sensation kind of thing. I don't know how to describe it, but, um, so this was the first show, uh, well, the, my qualifier and then North Americans was the first show I knew I didn't have to worry about somebody going, all right, we're going to do, you know, 10 fucking diazides. Sorry, can I cuss on you? Yes, please. <laughs> because like every coach that I've ever used has wanted to diuret diuretic the crap out of me. And it always, like, it's so it's so depressing when you work so hard for a look and then it completely just one thing will completely ruin it. Well, and I feel like all of these, this peak week stuff, it's like playing Russian roulette because you know, you're going to change 
all this stuff in the last couple of days before the show that you have not tried all throughout prep? Why? Like, what I like to do is look at somebody a week out and like, does it look like I could put you on stage right now? Cool. Let's carb you up a little bit and put you on stage. Like, why do we have have to mess with more than that? Yeah. And so that really, um, that really made my confidence go up because I was like, I'm going to look like I look, I've looked, you know, leading up to this show on stage, which was, you know, I thought I need, I needed to be leaner. Right. I mean, I was lean enough to win my class, but for, I know for a pro show, I need to be bigger. I need to be leaner. Um, but I thought for that show I'd come in just fine. And, you know, so I did. Um, and yeah, so I I guess I was really confident going into it because I knew I wasn't gonna mess up my look at the last second. I mean that, that's cool. That that says a lot. And I think just having a coach that it's one thing to have a coach that you trust because everybody trusts their coach until they don't. Yeah. Um, but a, a coach that you also trust to make good informed decisions based on what they know about your body. Exactly. And, and oftentimes that means like taking fewer risks, you know. If you're lean, you're lean. Yeah. Snap a tan on you, carb you up, call it good. Exactly. Yeah. And like uh, what I kind of wish happened in the past with you know previous coaches is is if they thought I wasn't lean enough, tell me. And you know I don't mind pulling out of a show, right? Like if if I'm not ready for it, like I don't have a problem with that. But it was like we would get to the last week and then they'd be like, okay, well you know, we have to drop your water three days out and then put, which it's happened three days out. That's insane. I dropped water on a Thursday. Oh my God. I was miserable and I didn't even look good. Yeah. Yeah. You, you probably looked like somebody who had been drinking a lot of water and then didn't get any and needed some. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look, look like a, a, a prisoner probably. <laughs> Yeah, because like one of my my wow aspects is my shoulders can cap out really well, and especially if you let me fill out, my shoulders will cap out. They flattened out. I'd never seen them like that before. It was insane. <laughs> That's not the kind of like only on stage moment that you want. It's like no, I've never looked like this before. Yeah, like <laughs> how awful. You mentioned a, a qualifier. What uh, what was your qualifier show before? North um, North? it was. Arlington. It was in Arlington. It was called Texas. Um, Texas Cup. I think so. Okay. When was yeah. that? How how far previous? Crap. Uh, August. I think it was exactly a month before North Americans. Like August fifth, probably. I think so. I'll have I to go back. I, I know that only because I know that's a Saturday because that's the date that our local show here in Knoxville was. August okay. Was, was the first Saturday in August, the fifth. So. Okay. Um, that would have been about a, right about a month before that September 1st show. Um, okay, cool. Well, um, with your permission then, or without your permission, I don't care. We're going to do it anyway. Um, I'm going to pull up uh, some NPC Texas Cup picks, if this is okay. it. And if it's not, I'm not going to hunt it down too hard here. Okay. Now, that says October 14th, so that wouldn't have been it. Um, all right. So um, I'm going to do a little investigating here real quick. Okay npcusatexas.com what show was on august 5th i i posted one let me see if i can find it arlington npc texas classic uh, yes that's it okay and the ifbb pro texas show on the same day pro am yep 
That was uh, it. That was August nineteenth. So that's only two weeks prior. Oh yeah, it was. Okay, here's. The, here's the, I posted it on my subscriber thing. So okay. Maybe. Okay. What did I say? The Texas uh, Texas Classic. Okay. So and you competed in bodybuilding for that one too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is the thing. Like at these NPC, like at the at the local and regional level shows, like there are only two bodybuilders in the show. So, like if you show up in shape, you're planning on going to nationals two weeks later. Like you're going to get the qualification that you're looking for. It's kind of a done deal. Like yeah. the fact that there were two bodybuilders in this show is about twice as many as I usually see in a local show. Yeah, um, and she was actually heavyweight. Um... The other girl in the it, it has you both as heavyweight here. So they put me. I I think they weighed me in. I think they they weighed me in at middleweight, but they just they were like, "There's two of you. We're gonna you know, we're so, gonna have to go against each other." So you weren't actually a heavyweight, but they have you categorized as such here. So. Yeah, and I told them I was like, "That's that's fine," you know. Yeah, I don't care because they told me at the meeting or at the check-ins, they're like, "There's only one other." They tried to, at first, they tried to convince me to do physique too. And I almost did it, but I was like, you know, I have not been practicing the poses and I kind of just want a qualification. Yeah. And if you're the only middleweight, you're like, all right, cool. Done deal. Yeah. Um, so here we go. I'm going to um, share this uh, screen here and let me know if you can see that. Uh, oh, yeah, I can. Oh, that's okay. cool. Yeah. So that's you. Yeah. Um, so when you look at this, this is two weeks prior to North Americans. What do you see when you look at this? Um, I, my conditioning needs to improve, um, for sure. Um, and I, we did, uh, once we got to North Americans, I totally forgot it was only two weeks, but I did tighten up, um, pretty, like not significantly, significantly, but more than that picture. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you're going to do in two weeks, but yeah, yeah. I mean, what what I'm taken back by here is like, yeah, love to see more conditioning. But the thing that's, I mean, first of all, you got good separation in the quads still, even though conditioning could be sharper. Uh, but just the overall shape is like, wow, like there's a lot of wow factor just in like the muscle bellies and everything else. Thank you. Yeah. And so even if you show up and you're not like in the greatest shape, like you've still got that going for you. And that's going to be like, you know, 60% of the total package there. And that's just kind of like baked into your formula. And so then you just have to focus on conditioning from there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to do moving forward. And we're going to start at a better, um, a, ba a better spot from off season. Um, and we actually, at this show, we filled out, like we carved up. And at North Americans, we did not. Interesting. I did not carve up at all. Huh. And that was based on what happened here. The, yeah. Jake saw something. And he's like, yeah, we probably don't need to do that. Yeah. He, he saw my abs wash out a little bit. Um, and so he was like, you know what? We're not going to do that again. We're just going to keep you flat. Um, and, and because we wanted to um, play like, not we knew that i needed for a pro show i need to be more conditioned but mm -hmm. he was like i think at a national show i think the conditioning that you're going to bring flat is going to win and it did so yeah, yeah. and off, really like uh, a lot of that is just kind of luck of the draw how competitive is your class and yeah. then you know if you can get in you're in and then you're like cool now there's some work to do but you know 
we've got the card and it can't be taken away. Yeah. <laughs> like this, um, like you can tell the midsection is definitely blurry and it's washed out a little bit. Did it look like that? Like the week before the show or was it like way tighter prior to stage? No, when I was flat before we filled out, um, it was way tighter. Um, I'll see if I can find, um, uh, a week before. So I don't know if you can see this, but that was a, Hold it up oh. closer. See if we can. Is that? I mean, we're seeing it. Yeah. And what I'll probably do, like, because I, I can do some fancy post-production editing here. Is that, okay. on your, that on your Instagram? It is, yeah. Okay. So I'll yeah. just grab that off of there and I'll throw it up full screen on the video so people can see it better. Okay. And so that um, was a, a week out? That was, no, nah, that was actually uh, like five days out from the Arlington show and you can see my midsection is not as not as blurry as it was there mm -hmm. so that's how Jake came to the conclusion that oh it was probably our carb up that that washed you out a little bit gotcha okay back shots are good I mean you know again just overall conditioning could be tighter but it's very consistent top to bottom and still just like really good shape too and we did discover that um so I have hypothyroidism Mm. Um, and for where me to get lean, I almost have to, well, I did have to go no carb for that prep Ugh, for how much of it, almost all of it. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> and so what we discovered was, um, what my doctor prescribes me is just T4. Um, and when you're low carb T4 to T3 conversion is lower. And so we discovered that probably three weeks out because I thought the, what my doctor was prescribing me was T3 and T4. Mm. And Jake was like, um, let me just, let, let me look at your, the brand on your prescription. And he was like, Oh, he was like, homie. Well, cause <laughs> also, I mean, yeah, because also like that's dependent on your, your body's particular T4 to T3 conversion rate too. And some people just don't convert it very well. Um, and so like, if you don't like get a really comprehensive thyroid lab pulled regularly, you just don't know. Yeah. And so like, I've, I've worked with people that are prescribed like just T4 and uh, I'm like, yeah. I, and it, depending on what you see, like, I don't have evidence that this is the right choice for you. Like, can we get a thyroid panel drawn here and just see what's up so that we don't have to guess? Yeah. 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 And I think what happened was um, because my Oh, I mean, I know everyone's thyroid tends to tank as they, you know, they're, they go deeper into prep, but I think for mine, because we would see a weight drop up until, up until we hit kind of a wall, we would do refeeds. This is earlier in prep and I would drop weight. Um, so we would, I would, he would give me carbs and I would drop weight. And then it, it got to the point where he would give me carbs and then I wouldn't drop weight. Um, so we suspect that I probably needed to put T3 in, in the middle, somewhere in the middle of prep. Um, but so that's another thing that we're going to keep in, keep in mind our next prep. And also just, I mean, for, for anybody listening out here, who's thinking about like, you know, trying to design their own, like, you know, their own PED stack for prep. Like, you know, when you, the, the way to implement T3, if you're going to do it is to just use it as hormone replacement therapy. Like you don't want super physiological doses of that. Like for most people, like 25 micrograms is enough. And you don't need that when you first start prep, unless you are like 
clinically hypothyroid, but like if otherwise your thyroid's going to be fine until like there'll become a point and you'll probably feel it when it's no longer fine. Yeah. Like, wow. Why does it all of a sudden feel like I'm dying? Like, well, <laughs> it's because your thyroid is probably tanked and now you could benefit from some HRT in that respect. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's what we're going to do either that or we'll draw, we'll draw labs in the middle of prep. Like that's I probably did have. Yeah. And you, you made a post, um, it may, maybe it was, it was Jake, maybe it was one of those like collaborative posts or something where people get tagged or whatever. Um, but it was a breakdown, like after North Americans where you kind of talked about your prep and how it was like generally a more conservative approach in terms of drugs. And there just wasn't as much stuff. You mentioned the lack of diuretics. So like, how did that feel? Cause sometimes like, I think, um, there are certain people out there who it's like, give me the most aggressive cycle you can. And they feel fucking great until they don't. Yeah. Um, but, and then other people are like, I really don't want to take too much, but at the same time, I think there's some of that, like, but I'm going for a pro card. So maybe I need more than this. So yeah. like, what, what was your kind of mindset with all that? Um, I've always had the mindset that less is more. Um, I have taken heavy compounds before. Um, that does, but my body tends to not like heavier stuff. So if, can I say like actual names and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So, um, for me, NPP and Primo are the ones that are basically the only ones that my body will tolerate. Um, the, the coat, my very first coach, the bad one, the one that kind of messed me up. I don't know what he had me on. I still to this day don't know what he had me on. Um, but I know I got, that's when my voice initially changed, mm -hmm. um, and my, my skin freaked out. Um, I suspect he told me it was Anavar, but I don't think it was Anavar. It's never Anavar. <laughs> and to, to his credit, he probably thought it was, but it's always fake. It was almost yeah. certainly Anadrol or Dianabol, which would cause skin issues, cause voice issues. And Anavar wouldn't do any of that. And it happened so fast, like so faster. I didn't even realize it until people were like, are you sick? Like what's going on with your voice? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's must be what I was, but that was years ago. Um, cl clearly like early on in your career. Cause you, you're like, I don't know what it is, which I think you now, like you wouldn't be doing yeah. that. Now I would be like, okay, what is this? What like, you know, I would do my homework. Um, yeah. So it was pretty, it was before my first show. So my first show was in 2013. It was before that. Um, so quite a while ago, <laughs> um, by the same token, whatever you were taking there, was it effective? Um, as I mean, far as like yes. growing? yeah, it was like, I put on muscle, yeah. um, but I, it wasn't, I don't think it was because at the, my coach at the time, the, the, one that I say he doesn't know what he's doing. I still don't think he ever knew what he was doing, but he didn't prioritize training and he didn't prioritize nutrition. Like he was just pushing gear on me. Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm like, could, could I have gotten that those results? If I knew how to train correctly, if I knew how to eat correctly, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, because it, I wasn't on it long enough for it to be, um, like significant or for the muscle to actually stick around. And was that by design or was it like, I don't like what this is doing. I'm getting off this crap. Um, it, it was like, once I figured out, okay, this is like, the, these could be permanent. These side effects could be permanent. I got off. Yeah. Good. 
Um, and also just like pro tip for, for any women out there listening. Um, one thing that I always advocate my clients do if they're ever going to jump on any kind of a cycle is, uh, even if you know what the stuff is, just because it's another data point that you can monitor is on your phone, you can get an app called voice pitch. Um, where it will actually give you the frequency in hertz of your voice. And you can just oh. talk, talk into it for five seconds in the morning. And it's kind of like, you know, it, it's almost kind of like a monthly cycle tracker in that it just keeps data logs of that. And if you can see it trending down a little bit over the course of a couple of weeks, you'd be like, oh, I might be on something that's having some, some virilizing effects. I should take another look at that. So just for like having another data point to look at, it's a, it's a good thing to throw into the mix. That's a really good idea. I wish I would have known about that sooner. Right. So I mean, I'm already kind of screwed now. So I'm like, whatever. But... You, sound, you sound fine. So, um, but it is one of those things like you're aware of it. And it's like, there is a little bit of that, like, God, if only I knew. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known they were, you know, the side effects were permanent. Um, I don't think that I would have not taken anything. I think I just would have been smarter about what I did take. Right. You know, right. you said, you said 2013, which you would have been how old? I was tw 20, what, 22, 22. So let me think of the dumbest shit that I did when I was 22. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, uh, that does not compare. So, um, I think when you're in your early twenties, you're supposed to do dumb shit. So, um, you know, not that it doesn't end up still having an effect, but it's like, you know, that's, that's kind of your opportunity to make mistakes in life. <laughs> I mean, I would say that not a lot of people's dumb shit is steroids, but <laughs> enough as a coach, I've heard enough stories of people, men, women who took stuff when they were younger, had no idea what they were doing. And especially guys like they come off cycle, like they take just an oral only cycle and they're like, this is great. And then they stop taking it. And then for six months, they just experience the worst like test rebound and it's just like nasty. They go into depression and it's just awful. So yeah, there are a lot, a lot of mistakes around this stuff, but you know, if you use it responsibly, you know, it doesn't have to be all bad. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm deaf, obviously I'm not against it, but yeah. um, I do like to warn people that are like either getting into bodybuilding or whatever, the things that I wish I was warned of getting into it. And that's another thing, like you said, depression is it can affect you mentally, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I like to ask a lot of competitors, do you feel like you have body dysmorphia? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think almost all competitors do. And that's why we do this. Yeah. It's like, you, to have, and, you have to have a, a, a level of it, you know, it, it's like trying to slay the dragon that just cannot be slayed. Yeah. Yeah. But you have those moments where you like catch yourself in the gym. You're like, all right, I like what I'm seeing here. And it lasts like 90 seconds. And then that's yeah. It. And then the next day you're like, I don't even want to look at myself. Like, yeah, you worthless <laughs> piece of shit. Keep your hoodie on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, but I, I think that um, I have a healthier like relationship with it because I do know some people that have a really hard time with off season. Mm -hmm. uh, and like the way they look and um i don't really like i used to but now i'm kind of more comfortable with because i know it's just a phase right like just like prep is a phase it's temporary yeah, off season it's temporary. so um i kind of just look at it like that and it doesn't 
bother me as much, I guess. I mean, it still does, right? You go from having, uh, you seeing veins everywhere to not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to not <laughs> to <then> nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be like, okay, now I can grab this chunk of stuff here that wasn't there before. That's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you got to realize it's all temporary, and it's like it's supposed to be that's by that's the nature of the beast like off season is temporary prep is temporary um it's the cyclical nature of it and a lot of people just really struggle to embrace that and they don't and those are the people that don't make any progress yeah 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 i, I know some people that try to uh, prolong prep which um i mean i maybe it works for some people i feel like um that just kind of prolongs the to where you're not you know, building a significant amount of muscle. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it takes up at some point, if you spend a significant percentage of your calendar year in prep, you're not improving. And I think also like any, any time that you spend in a deficit, you've got a shelf life on that. Like you can't stay in a deficit for 28, 30, 32 weeks and have that be productive. Yeah. Like even if you can mentally hang with it, which I cannot, I've, I've got a, a, time limit. I think I can go about 18 weeks okay. at a good deficit of being like a hundred percent dialed in every single day. And then I start to lose my damn mind a little bit. Yeah. But that that's up from like 14 weeks a few years ago. So I'm getting there. I'm okay. building, building up a tolerance over time. <laughs> um, talk to me a little bit about what Jake has you doing now. So you're on a, a mini cut right now. This is like just for this photo shoot that's coming up pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, and then after that, I assume it's like back to off season, back to growing. Um, so what is that looking like? Like how, how much, you know, let's put the mini cut aside. Cause that's kind of like prep a little bit. Um, like how much food is Hannah putting down on a daily basis during growing season? Um, I can pull up my thing right now and show do you. It. Yeah, do it. Um, so, and then the mini cut, it's, it's not like, um, it's not so here's my macros right here i don't know if you can see okay it's it's coming into i can see it i can't read it i don't have my right glasses on for it <laughs> okay um but so i'm around uh around 1200 1300 calories That's um i am i am pretty uh i'm short i'm small i'm a small human right so a lot of people they when they see me in pictures like i do hold muscle well and it makes me look bigger than i am but like in reality you know, I'm under 150 pounds, even in off season. I think uh, a, a lot of people have a bias. I know that I do because I'm six foot. So whenever I see anybody in a photo by themselves, I was assume like, oh, they're five ten, six foot probably. So I'm like, oh, Hannah's probably 185 pounds, something like that, whatever. And it's like, no. <laughs> I was on stage at under 125. I weighed in at North Americans at 123. <laughs> and you're how tall? I'm five two. Five two, yeah. So that's a, that's the illusion. Like bodybuilding is really good at creating illusions. Yeah, ma making people look way bigger than they are. Yeah, and I've had somebody come up to me at a show after I got off stage. They're like, "Oh my god, you look huge! You look like you're six foot tall on stage, and you're so tiny." And I'm like, "Yeah, thanks." Like, <laughs> like I didn't realize you were so little. Yeah, that's what a lot of people say. They're like, "Oh my god!" Like, um. Because even like my hands and my feet are small too. Like I wear six and a half shoe. Uh, and so, yeah, just putting that in. Per so the calories look low, but they're not for my, for me. Yeah. Um, 
And so right now it's, and we're kind of doing like a health phase, like I'm off of everything. Um, and I just got my labs done last week and we're still waiting for those to come in. So um, we're kind of using this like mini cut and it's, it's more like he just changed my carbs from like rice and stuff to fruit. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, and I think we're probably going to up the calories once, um, once we get on something, right? So once once I start another cycle, um, we're gonna up the calories, but we're gonna do it based off my training. Um, so if I feel like I hit a wall in training, we're gonna up my calories. If or if I'm hungry, up my calories, um, and kind of just play it that way. Because he also trains with me, so he's which is really nice. So he's able to see firsthand of if my training if like you know, if he thinks that, oh, okay, you could have more energy or, you know, you're, you're kind of sluggish today, what's going on. Um, and so he adjusts things that way. Um, that's kind of so, useful. Like, mm, I don't know, you kind of tanked out on those last few reps there. You might need an extra 30 grams of carbs. Exactly. And he's actually done that. There's been times where I'm at the gym and he's like, Oh, Bill, he always makes me bring a Gatorade. Um, where I was really dragging, he was like, drink your Gatorade. Chug, chug, chug. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I mean, that, that's, that's super helpful. Um, so let's talk about training a little bit. Like what does your, uh, what does your split typically look like? Um, so right now we just changed, um, so we have an arm day now, which, uh, I need cause we're, we're creating it around like my weak points, um, based on a needs analysis. Exactly. Um, so the feedback I actually got from the Arlington judges, I didn't ask for feedback for uh, North Americans just because I, I'm going to be in off season for a while because I, I have a decent amount of improvements I need to, you know, bring for the pro stage. I think you're like a year ish. Year, year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, just depending on you know how fa how fast I respond. Mm -hmm. Um, because both my coach and I, our mindset is there's no point in doing a, sh a pro show just to say we do it. If we don't look like we belong there, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, probably, probably a year and a half. I would say. Okay. okay. Um, but so the feedback I got from Arlington was actually, was really surprising to me because, um, so the, the, the judges feedback was, uh, conditioning obviously and then bring up my back and shoulders which i always thought were my strong points yeah um and so that was a little bit surprising but that was his feedback um and then personally you know i feel like my everything needs to come up Mo mostly my arms though because i feel like my arms are really underdeveloped for like my shoulders mm -hmm. um so we're gonna just all of it right so we're gonna have an arm day um and so we'll have a push, pull, arm, legs, uh, hamstring focused and quad focused. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, what kind of volume do you typically go on a training session? Um, so right now we're doing about three to four sets of um, work. Uh, he likes to stay under 12 reps. So if I'm doing more than 12 reps, we got to up the weight. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't like me doing under four. 
yeah. Um, and so at least two top sets meaning two two sets to failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're doing right now. That could change. We've done things like uh, rest pauses. Um, what else have we done in prep? When I was super close, we we kind of just did what I could because we we're trying to manage fatigue, and I the, keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, yeah. And so now um, we're kind of playing around with with what we feel like is most productive, and that's probably going to change again once I get on a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, just because right now, and surprisingly, um, I didn't. I haven't lost any strength, so. Right after North Americans, so September second, it was off everything. Um, which granted, I wasn't on a whole lot to begin with, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't lost any strength, and that might just be you know because I'm eating. <laughs> That's but, the thing. It's like you know, gear goes down, food goes up. It's like mm, yeah. So I much. I was anticipating because in the past when I've you know I've used coaches that really push more drugs than than Jake does. I always felt a dip in strength and like, I kind of felt like crap, but now it's like I've hit a couple PRs. And so that was surprising. Cause I was like, I'm basically natty right now. To- totally natty. Absolutely. Go sign up for an OCB show or something. That, that's what I joke about. Like whenever we're training and like, you know, I, I fail to impress him or whatever. I'm like, I'm basically natty right now. So don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to, to everybody out there without a sense of humor, we know, we know. Okay. Yeah. Like, everybody chill out. <laughs> do, oh, do people get mad about? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, not at me generally, but like, if you look at social media, like, you know, anybody who is obviously on gear, if they're like giving advice on something like training advice, nutrition advice, all of the comments is all just like steroids. I'm like, that doesn't invalidate what this person is saying, but there's just so many troll haters out there. It's just, it makes me just want to stay away from social media entirely. It's just so uh, people, people have real insecurities about their own inadequacies. And here's the thing is like, okay. Cause people get mad about like fake natties, which I understand that's that, yeah. you know, that really deceiving, but then, I also see people get mad about honesty and I'm like, okay, pick, pick your poison. Like, which what, is it? Yeah. In all sports, in every single sport right now, people want bigger, stronger, faster. Right. Mm-hmm. So in bodybuilding, in, in any sport. So as athletes, we're kind of at the mercy of, do we stay in our sport or in, and, you know, do something maybe we wouldn't have done years ago or, you know, do we just get, give it up? Right. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there doing things naturally, but that's really fucking rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I have um, gotten some really negative feedback um, on previous podcast episodes where I talked about drugs just because some people have this, um, this standard, like you should never talk about this. I'm like, uh yeah you should um because i'm not out here telling everybody to do stuff but i know that people are gonna do it and if you do you should be smart about it and be educated so like the the more the less information you put out the more unreliable the remaining resources are for people who are going to do this stuff anyway so and i think like what you were saying before about like yeah i did this stupid shit. i'm like that's important stuff to put out there because that 
Like if, if one person makes a better decision based on stuff that you did that was dumb when you were younger, awesome. Exactly. That's, I wish that I would, there would have been podcasts like this back when I was doing it. So I would know what the risks were because that's, I wasn't being told that. And that's why I feel like it is important to be honest. You know, I'm not going to go and post exactly what I'm taking on social media but <laughs> at the same time, you know, the, these are still classified as controlled substances. So yeah. like, I, I think that people that are a little too open about it, it's like, careful people like, yeah. And then you don't, you don't want somebody trying to copy you either. Um, but to me, it's like, well, it's better to be honest and transparent about it than it is to hide it. Because then we have, you know, People like the liver king that's like, oh, you can look like this if you just fucking eat raw shit and, you know, work out, whatever. No, like, that's not realistic, you know? No, no. And if ever there was a person who looked like he was on a ton of stuff, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, you look then, like you're about to have a stroke, dude. Like, <laughs> And so in when I was personal training, um, when I would get people that were like, oh, I want shoulders like yours, I would want, I would be honest with them. I'm like, look, I'm not. I'm not natural because I don't want you to start, you know, my workout or whatever, and then be discouraged because you're not looking like me, you know? Yeah. So I feel like the more honest we are about it, the the better it's going to be for the people coming into it. Because the people that decide to do bodybuilding, they're going to do it regardless, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of potential clients who, so will um, look to hire me as a coach and they're like, I really want to look like so-and-so. Do you think I can? And I look at so-and-so and then I have to make a judgment call. Like, you know, do I think this person's natty or not? Sometimes it's hard to tell. And then I'll just tell them like, look, they're probably taking stuff. I don't know. Maybe they have great genetics. I'm looking at your photos now. You know, these are your starting photos. You do not have these great genetics. Like you can, you can get a lot done, but you're going to have a ceiling here. Like if you look at some of the pros, like, I always laugh. Who is it? Um, Emily Schubert, um, who I have nothing against, but she's, you know, Olympia level bodybuilder. Um, you look at her starting photos, which, you know, you put them next to her now and you're like, that's hilarious. Like that's where she started before she started. She still had a good base of muscle. Like before yeah. she really jumped into training, had any idea what she was doing. Like you can see like the foundation is there, even though she hadn't started training, she still had good genetics. And so you, like that's got to be a part of it yeah well it definitely is because you can't you can't out train your muscle insertions you yeah. know <laughs> so and, and that's another thing that people think you know steroids is a cop-out like they're not gonna work if you just take them and do nothing you know and even there's some people that you would be surprised the amount of regular gym goers that are on stuff that don't look like it because they don't they don't have the genetics to respond to it you know, or the consistency in their work ethic or that, yeah. or they have like super, you know, unfortunate muscle insertions, which I've seen because I've worked with somebody like this before where he was, you know, trying to get me to help him wanting to compete. And he was on a lot of stuff, like more than, you know, most people. And it did not look like it. And it was just his, his genetics were just so not for bodybuilding, if that yeah. makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, I've seen those guys where they're like, you know, I really want to build up my pec like right here. I'm like, well, that's too bad because the way your muscle originates and inserts, there's, there's no muscle there. Like yeah. there's no, there's no tissue there to grow. It's not covering that area. It's yeah. Like, Sorry, dude. I can't fix that. 
yeah it's kind of like the people that have the sloping shoulders like it's might be damn near impossible for them to get that round you know capped out shoulder because i know a couple people still um that compete i've competed at shows with them and we talk about our cycles and you know they're on just as much as i am and they can't seem to you know cap out their shoulders that's a genetic thing in my opinion or they're just you know not haven't figured out how to train them yeah yeah but so being a new pro um do you follow like uh female body female bodybuilding at the pro level pretty closely i do yeah okay so i'm not asking to name names or anything like that just like very very generally what do you think about the way that things are getting judged overall like if you look at like rising phoenix you look at some of the pro shows from earlier in the year um what do you see as far as like what what are the judges favoring and how if if at all like how would you like that to change um so I think the judging right now to me is a little bit confusing um, because at the Rising Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, um, you don't want me to name names? You, you can. I don't want to put you on the spot and force you to. Oh, okay. Feel free. Uh, well, <laughs> I love Andrea Shaw. I think she's perfect for, you know, to be a representation of the sport. Um, I think second place, uh, Angie. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember her last name. Yayo An- or something. Angela Yo. Um obviously incredibly gifted right Mm -hmm. Um, but the their physiques are so different that it confuses me as to why they're the top two (laughs) no i I get that i totally get that yeah um and then michaela acock got third i i think if i remember correctly um that's just confusing because they all have such different physiques so it's like what are you i i think right now um Andrea is the pinnacle of, of female bodybuilding. And it's kind of um, like, if you know bodybuilding, you kind of, that's obvious. Right. Um, And she's feminine and she's pretty. And I think she draws a lot of attention to the sport. Um, But I think that they can't ignore how extreme the other two and Angie and uh, Michaela Mm -hmm. are, because I mean that they're insane. Their physiques are insane. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it, it, it it's it's interesting that you say that because among the top three uh michaela was third is that right yes yeah um among the top three it's like you've got three different categories of bodybuilder there yeah and it, it comes down to the judges saying what do we like the most because andrea had great size awesome shape super full muscle bellies her conditioning was a little off okay that was good enough for first uh, Angela, I thought, like, had a really well-rounded presentation, like, really hard, really dense. Um, presentation isn't the word I'm looking for there. Uh, a well-rounded physique, like, um, you know, re- really, you know, solid, hard, dense, conditioned, like, didn't have a lot of imbalances or anything like that. I think her presentation, though, um, this isn't a knock, but Andrea just has, like, a more feminine quality to her. And a lot of that just comes down to, like, hair and stupid stuff like that um and then michaela's like crazy size crazy conditioning and i think she's just got you know nothing against her but i think she's got some real symmetry issues um and some of that goes back to what you were saying before like origins insertions stuff you can't control so it's like you've got such 
such disparate categories to choose from. It's like a triangle and they're at the extreme three points. It's like, what do you do? How do you judge this? Exactly. Like, and, and I don't blame the judges for, you know, being confused. Cause I think if I was in their position, I would be too. Um, but yeah, I, and I almost think that because female bodybuilding went away, um, I can't remember what year it was, but you remember they took it out of the yeah, Olympia. Like 2013, something like that, I think. I think that's why they brought in the wings strength is to kind of save it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But what I, I had this it... discussion when I had when I had Sherry Priyami on here before. Um, it dawned on me that they they call it the rising phoenix because it's a phoenix rising from the ashes, but also it's in Phoenix. So Okay. Yeah. That makes yeah so it was like women's bodybuilding has a crowning show it's coming back and now it's back at the olympia too so yeah yeah but i think um the reason why they took it out in the first place and i could be wrong is because they took it out when iris kyla was winning and from what i understand is they were just they just didn't have the audience for it anymore people kept losing interest in it yeah, because it was too extreme. Yeah, and yeah. the funny thing is, like, now it's every bit as extreme as it was back then, but now there's more of an audience for it. Yeah. And I think it's just the evolution of bodybuilding in general. Like, if you look at women's physique now versus when Dana Lynn Bailey won the Olympia, it's like, she couldn't make fifth call out in a pro show now. It's, yeah. like, like, it's not what they're looking for anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at figure winners now versus Nicole Wilkins. It's like they would eat her for lunch. Yeah. I mean, it's mean how much it's changed and how quickly it's changed. Yeah. It's really crazy. What do you attribute that to? Um, I'm putting you on the spot. You got to solve this right now all on your own. <laughs> it's the, it goes back to everyone wants to see, you know, once they've seen one thing, they're like, oh, we want more extreme, more extreme. Like, you know, when Arnold was winning, he was extreme, right? Like he was it, it, like, uh, uh, you know, people just marveled at his physique. And now if you took his prime physique, he'd be called fat today, yeah. you know? Fat so and no like, legs. Yeah. Yep. So people just want, they get accustomed to something. They want more and more and more extreme. Um, And yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it because it's, literally killing people you know so. it, is. it is i have a, i have a theory on this as to why it's happening and um it's social media uh, because people are posting you know they have an outlet for posting progress photos and workouts that never existed before um and so now it's like on a daily basis you get people who are able to leapfrog other people that they see online and it's like oh they're doing that well i can do that oh their legs are that big well i'm going to get mine bigger ding, ding, ding. and it's just like this compounding effect i see the same thing um because i'm a musician i see the same thing with guitar players online posting all these crazy licks and it's like okay and then next thing you know some eight-year-old kid learns how to do it and he's showing everybody else up and then suddenly you know you've got this four-year-old who can barely hold a guitar who can play better than you know anybody that would go find live on stage in an arena it's yeah. like it's just because the ability to learn from what other people are doing um and to close that loop is just it's a much greater than it's ever been before so yeah um because i mean you look at like wellness and how that started up and where it's at now and you're like those women are absolute freaks 
it's yeah. only been around for a few years and look look how quickly it's changed yeah it's wild. yeah that's a good that's a really good point so you did mention it is killing people too um i know that's something like you you've got kind of a uh you've got kind of a bug in your ear about that so like it's, it's, just, it's kind of a sore spot i know it's just depressing to see because you know i love the sport and it's like you know it's a, you almost want to stop watching it when your favorite athletes i like when um when sean died you know that was like he was one of my favorite bodybuilders and it, that sucked right mm -hmm. and i feel like i don't know i i feel like it we can still have really amazing physiques without risking you know your life because we've done that before i mean back in arnold's day you, and and maybe i'm ignorant maybe it's just because we didn't have social media but if i you know researched correctly we weren't having this many deaths back in like the golden era it's definitely greater now there's also and this is where it gets kind of confusing for me there's a lot more people involved in bodybuilding now yeah so you're going to have a higher a higher total number of incidents the question is like as a percentage of the whole how does it change and how does it change and i don't know the answer to that and it might be just that it might be just because there's more people in it and so more things happen but it's just to me it's sad because it it doesn't have in my opinion it doesn't have to be like that you know there's so many things we can do as pre preventatives to keep that from happening because i mean so the nfl doesn't <laughs> they don't if there was this many athletes dying in the nfl they they wouldn't keep promoting it you know yeah, um, although although with cte um you know the the um what is it chronic traumatic encephalopathy um you know the post-concussion syndrome there's lots of players dying from that but it doesn't happen until years and years and years and years after they retire and so therefore i think the nfl has a pretty uh, you know like they say all the right things, but at the same time, they can kind of keep their distance from it to some extent and be like, oh, we're going to throw some money at that into research. Okay, cool. We've done our part. Awesome. Go watch the games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I, I mean, I know risks come with every sport, but then at the same time, I see it as that a sport and it shouldn't like, you know, it shouldn't come with the risk. I, I get risk of injury. I get risk of, you know, things like, you know, permanent changes like I've experienced, right? I understand that, but I don't understand um, it like it being okay or even like the fans, the industry, just, just being okay with watching athletes die and just like, oh, you know, rip posts. Yeah. You know, rip and then it's, then there's nothing. Yeah. What do you think is a bigger issue? Because the thing that really bothers me is, um, well, a couple of things, but um, like you mentioned, uh, using no diuretics this year. Great, because I think they make you look worse. And that is the one thing that, don't know what those lights are doing back there. That's the one thing also that can acutely kill you at a show or immediately after a show. Um, That's the one thing, because if you look at a lot, of, I mean, yes, there are, are deaths outside of shows, but a, there's a lot during shows, like leading up to a show after. And a lot of that I would suspect has to do with diuretics because it's so easy to mess up. I, you know, like I've known people personally to end up in the hospital. They didn't post about it. They didn't, you know, they, they, there was nothing out about it, but it was diuretic related. 
Um, I know somebody that went into kill kidney failure after a show. I've known somebody that had to have a kidney transplant after a show mm-hmm. uh, because of diuretic use, and it doesn't get talked about. Um, and yeah, it usually doesn't make people look any better, but we're still doing it, and we still have coaches promoting it. It's the I most if- it's the most skewed aspect of bodybuilding in terms of risk and reward. Yeah, I think if anything were to change, it would be that I think that the industry should put you know, should either put out a strong statement against diuretics or actually test the athletes for it uh, randomly. Like, obviously they're not going to test every athlete, but yeah, I mean the, the, the NPC and the IFBB clearly cannot become natural organizations, right? Let's just, let's just forget that, but they could issue a blanket diuretic ban. Exactly. And, and it would be like, you know, if, if, you know, we'll test for it randomly, if you're using them, it is a lifetime ban. Like, yeah. And at that point, it's like, oh, that's another risk for diuretics. And, you know, if I'm banned from the NPC, I'm going to be stuck competing in the GBO or some, you know, bullshit organization like that. The only other organization in the States that doesn't do drug testing or like move to Canada and compete in the CPA, I guess. I don't know. But um, it's like, it's, it's not worth it. And I think, you know, I think they should do that realistically. Either that or actually have a requirement on coaches. Because right now, anybody can be a coach and they can tell you whatever they want and they can tell you, you know, that they've done this and this and that they know what they're doing and they don't. Or have have some kind of like, a, I, would, I would happily do this, some kind of like a registration process to go through for a coach where I pay an annual fee and then I'm uh, suddenly I am a registered and approved NPC IFBB coach. Exactly. I and honestly, that's a, another avenue they could even make money is yeah. you know, having coaches having to go through this. It would make it safer for the athletes. You know, it would hopefully encourage like at least have a a um I I don't know like a an education portal to where you could actually see what diuretics do, like potassium sparing diuretics because it's it's as easy as using a potassium sparing diuretic and then also having your athlete eat potatoes right yeah so just something that simple can be dangerous but a lot of coaches don't know that yeah yeah and i i think if they if they did that like i would happily pay an annual fee for that and they say hey coaches approved coaches we have some requirements of you and they'd have to be like you know they can't be crazy Right. Yeah. So it's not going to be like, we will not, we won't let you coach athletes in any other competitive organization. Like screw you guys. No, no, just have some kind of understanding, you know, like don't have your athletes use diuretics. Okay, good. That's fair. I think that's something that they could do, but you know, whenever, whenever somebody dies, sadly, like you said, it's a whole bunch of RIP posts and people are like, this needs to change. And it's just like, you know, mass shootings at schools in the country. After one happens, everybody's all up in arms. And then it's like, we need to do something about this. And then something else happens and we forget about it and move on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really like, it's to me, it's sad. It's sad for the sport and like, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating, right? Cause it is frustrating. I agree. And the other thing I would say for, for people who are like heavy androgen users is get your blood work checked regularly, get it checked when you're on cycle. So you can see how bad things look. And the answer might be, Hey, they don't look too bad. Great. Yeah. Awesome. At least, you know, like look at them when they're at their worst and get a simple EKG every 18 months to two years or something like that, just so that you get 
keep tabs on what your heart is doing as well. And yeah. if you do that and you listen to what's coming in from those results, you can cycle in a relatively low risk fashion. Because that's the thing is a lot of this stuff, not all of it, but a lot of it is preventable if you just know what to look for. You know, if you have somebody that knows, you know, the basic health and they're like, hey, you know, maybe keep an eye on your blood pressure. Like that'll cause that'll save you from a lot of problems down the road, you know. Um, and, and it's just not being preached in bodybuilding for some reason. And it's so odd to me because, you know, that it's it's such simple things. Like get a, a thirty dollar blood pressure cuff off Amazon and make sure your blood pressure doesn't get out of control. Mine's right like, over there. Yeah, uh, mine's right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, do that. Like any any client that I have is on cycle. It's like check your blood pressure once a week. Check yeah. your blood sugar once a week, it's just especially if you're in the off season and eating a whole lot. And let's just make sure you're not out eating your body's ability to, you know, um, your your pancreas's ability to generate insulin to keep that blood sugar in a reasonable level. Like if it gets up to 105, 110, mm, let's do something about that. But otherwise, it's like those are really, really simple things you can do at home just to not be an idiot about your health. And I think, you know, you know, people don't like to be told what to do and that's fine. Okay. If you want to live your life on the edge, you know, nobody's going to stop you. But I think if the organization, if like the IFBB was like, Hey, we, you need to do something, give us something, say, you know, sign a waiver that says that you're not going to take diuretics that, you know, uh, it, it, you know, um, accept a random drug test here and there for, for diuretics. I'm not saying, you know, um, anabolics altogether because yeah. we know that going anywhere. Yeah. Um, just something, you know what I mean? Something to tell the athletes, look, you have to do something to keep your health in check. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, let's, let's do something to keep people from dying backstage at shows. Exactly. I mean, you know, <laughs> It seems like the most basic thing that they could possibly do. Um, and it's like online, it's so hush hush and like people get so, they're so touchy about this stuff. Um, there was somebody, so we've had this month alone that I know of, we've had two deaths. Um, one was a couple of days ago, right? A, a guy, he was like 29. I didn't uh, hear about that. Yeah, it, so there's a page that I follow called Buys and Tries, and they cover a lot of bodybuilding news. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he was a competitor. He died from, um, I believe it was kidney failure or kidney complications. Um, again, I'm not saying it's bodybuilding related, but it's highly likely that it is. And yeah. then, or, or bodybuilding exacerbated a pre-existing kidney condition. Yeah. Yeah. It, that happens too. And then people that don't even know that they have pre-existing conditions to begin with. Um, and then bodybuilding will exasperate, exacerbate it. Yeah. Um, but there was somebody else that died from uh, suicide. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw the posts and I went and looked up just kind of see like, Oh, just to make sure, you know, I wasn't, I didn't get in the information wrong. Okay. Yes. He died from suicide. And then I commented, um, I ended up deleting the comment because I got destroyed in the comments. And I like, I was just, I, I was upset because I'm like, here we fucking go again. Right. Like for the rest of the year, we're going to see RIP posts. Um, 
and like Dallas McCarver was one of my favorite athletes too. So it's like, and then John Meadows. So it's just, it sucks. But anyway, um, Dallas McCarver was one guy I was at, uh, at gold's gym, Walker Springs here in Knoxville. And, uh, cause he and a couple others, they'd like, I think this was somewhere like in between places they frequented. Um, and he walked into the gym one day and was like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> like that is a large human being. I know he was, he was incredible and impressive, but, um, yeah, he, if people don't know who that is, he was 26 when he died. Um, but yeah, so on. And it's almost a hundred percent what they they said the autopsy was um his test levels were like three or four times what it should have been. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it was it was so sad. I remember it was like a year ago when um somebody died who was a figure competitor. And I I went looking through and it was somebody that like one of my clients knew, so they like posted a link to a local newspaper article or something like that, and I read that. And I actually, I feel so bad, but I had a sigh of relief, like, oh, thank God it was a car accident. Like, yeah. I mean, how bad that it's like, okay, well, at least it wasn't bodybuilding related. I mean, it's yeah. still horrible and a tragedy, but it's like, you just kind of go into it with that expectation. Oh, a bodybuilder died. I know why this happened. And yeah. it's, it's awful that it's almost a relief when it's something, you know, normal. Um, I, I hate it too. Yeah. It, so the, okay. So. The, the comment I made that I was like, people got really offended by because it was a suicide, I said, how many more athletes do we have to lose until we make a change? And so many people were like, oh, like what a hypocrite you are because you're you're on gear and it was suicide. Don't you, you know, do your research. I'm like, okay, one. Um, yeah. I, okay. Yeah, I am on gear. So I know firsthand how it affects you mentally. Like I had, I had a suicide attempt when I was 26. Um, and it was, it was hormone related, right? So I got my hormones balanced and the feelings went away. Thank God and for that. So it was just so funny to me. Cause I'm like, okay, like what would you want somebody that's, uh, you know, not into bodybuilding to answer this question for you? I would just, I don't know. You're like, I, then, I'm in this, I understand it. And the, the problem is like in, in the comments, wherever you are, there's just no room for nuance or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> but I'm like, how are people not more upset? Like what, how, how can you be a fan, but then okay with, you know, with the athletes dying, I just don't understand it. Yeah. And then the, the guy that the 29 year old that passed away, um, a couple of weeks ago, there was someone in the comment that said, um, another one bite, like that song, another one bites the dust. And I'm like, dude, like, it's just, there's, you can't turn this shit into a meme. No, it makes like, me not want to, like, I love bodybuilding. I love following it as a sport, but it makes me not want to, you know, it makes me not want to follow it because it's fucking depressing. Yeah, I understand. I understand completely. I mean, it, it from, from my position here, it puts me uh, into a mode where it's like, I need to make sure that I'm taking the best care of my clients that I can yeah. um, and encourage other coaches to do the same. So, um, and so I love having you on here to kind of help spread the message too. So thank you and keep doing that. <laughs> I'll, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how much, you know, people will listen, but I just think that um, I think it could just, it, it could be done 
in a different way. And it could be done in like, it doesn't have to be an overhaul of the whole sport, just little things that would, you know, hopefully prevent not all of it. It's not going to prevent everything, but it would help, you know, I wouldn't mind an overhaul of the sport on some levels. Like if an overhaul of the sport can get rid of like the prejudging and finals format, like I would love that. Holy crap. Um, Wait, really? Oh my God. I hate it. Like, here's here's my my thing on that like from the perspective of a spectator somebody who like you know you're bringing a friend or a family member to a bodybuilding show to watch you on stage they show up for prejudging they're like oh all right good 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 what happened (laughs) oh no now we all go away for six hours and we come back and then we find out who won but if (laughs) if you really know what's going on you probably already know but they just aren't going to tell you it's like in what fucking alternate universe does this make any sense at all? Yeah. It's, it's so the promoters can sell two tickets to a spectator for prejudging and for finals, but it's so inconvenient because what are you supposed to do the rest of the day? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not going to ask a friend or a family member to come to prejudging. Okay. And then hang around at, at three hours away from home because that's where this show is. I'm going to take a nap. You do whatever. And we'll come back here and we'll be here till 1 a.m. Like, oh my God. Like, yes. Overall. When you put it that way, yeah. Cause like I've had some friends come and be like, oh, cool. That was awesome. And you're like, oh, that's not all of it. It's like I made second call out. That wasn't good. They're like, what? I don't get it. (laughs) And you know, they're bored because, you know, they're there just to see you and you're on for five seconds. And then they're like, I got to do this again. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. If if you think of it as like an alien who comes to Earth to watch this, that alien is going to have no idea what the fuck is going on. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's a bodybuilding show, so it's just weird on its face. Um, but it's just the format of it is nonsensical. But all the other organizations, they'll do like all of pre-judging, take a 30-minute break, and then immediately do finals. Everybody's done. Show's over by 2 p.m. Like, let's do more of that, please. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at, at North Americans, the bikini class was so big. It was on their 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 own day. So I think it was just bikini. Um, and there were so many bikini competitors that that's that's what happened. So right after the morning show was done, they started with the night show. Like that's how long it took. Well, and I'm so you're in Texas, so you know how big some of those NPC shows there can be. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I've I've had clients who have done like the Texas cup or something else where there's like 600 competitors in the show. And I'll be like texting them like, what's going on? What's going on? Like, you know, prejudging has been over for a couple hours, I'm sure. And they're like, no, I still haven't gone on. Like finals is supposed to start in 30 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> like, It's just crazy. And so some of those shows have become two day shows because of that. Um, but it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> The, the good thing about female bodybuilding, which is another reason why I love this category, is usually we're always on first. Like in Arlington, I was literally the first athlete on stage. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I don't go to a lot of shows because I don't, I don't like crowds, um, but I went to the, the local show here in Knoxville. I was a few minutes late getting there for prejudging, so I missed women's bodybuilding. Zero competitors. So I didn't really miss anything. I got there just in time for women's physique. There was one competitor in physique and she had one leg. So they didn't even manage a full pair of legs in women's physique. Um, that being said, she looked amazing and yeah. you could have had a stacked lineup on there and she pro- still probably would have taken first. So, oh, wow. um, but yeah, it's just like, 
physique, bodybuilding, very underrepresented, and um, even wellness. Like, there were two wellness competitors in that show. And this is a show that's usually pretty big. Um, but it's like those categories, the categories that have higher requirements for base muscle development, it's just like, man, they're they're sparse. Yeah. Until you get to but, the national level. Yeah. It, I mean, it takes more years, I guess. But do you have – so how closely do you follow women's bodybuilding? reasonably um like i don't sit around like my, my saturdays are are pretty busy with personal stuff so i'm not sitting around live streaming shows or anything but you know i always like on uh usually it's like monday um whatever shows there were i'll go and check out the photos online and okay. it's always funny like i checked out the photos for rising phoenix and i'm like wow this is really bad stage lighting because everybody looks 10 pounds heavier than they really were mm -hmm. on stage um just everybody looks washed out and it's just the photos um yeah. but reasonably close so because there's a couple like the female bodybuilding channel, there's a couple other channels that cover it. Um, and I saw firsthand this year because I was competing is the lack of new competitors coming in, um, which is probably why there was no female bodybuilders at the show that you attended. Yeah. So I was originally supposed to do um, Chicago, the Chicago Pro. Mm hmm. I ended up pulling out of that because the promoter called me and was like, uh, you're the only one signed up in the whole show, like as a female bodybuilder. Um, they did, there was another girl that ended up showing up at like kind of the last minute. But by that time I already, I'd already decided I, you know, talked to my coach and he was like, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll pick a different show. Um, because they said I could go there and petition, like, you know, essentially just, compete against myself and then pe petition for my pro card okay which i yeah i didn't really want to do that um so yeah so there's like a lack of new and it mostly you said chicago pro you're talking was it junior nationals um it was miss international okay okay gotcha gotcha yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that I always do is I always look at NPC News online and I look at the galleries for like just any show. I just kind of want to see, and I'm not looking through a whole lot of pictures. I just want to see like how represented are the various categories throughout. And invariably, it's like at the NPC shows, the smaller ones, it's like women's bodybuilding, there's zero, one, or maybe two. And it's very, very rare to find somebody that's really at a, at a even like a mid-level caliber. Yeah. Oftentimes you can tell it's somebody like, okay, this is someone who's 55, who's been in bodybuilding since she was 20. And so she's got a lot of experience, but, you know, doesn't really have a physique that's really like, you know, put together, like wouldn't be competitive. And she's now nationally qualified, wouldn't be competitive on a national stage. Um, and that's like more often than not what you see, or somebody who also did figure and physique and crossed over into bodybuilding and doesn't really quite look appropriate for any of the three. Like this yeah. is because they're, they're relatively new and they haven't really found their place yet. Yeah. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on why like newer athletes weren't because that, that you're right. Cause the, the Arlington show, um, it was an older lady. Um, so I don't, I don't see a whole lot of like younger, newer people coming into the sport, except for maybe wellness and bikini. 
Yeah, I think I think wellness is drawing a lot. Bikini is always going to be the biggest. You know, that's why you'll have classes with 60 women in them, um, just because it's the lowest barrier for entry. You know, you need the least amount of development. Um, you can compete in bikini in the NPC as a natural athlete and do reasonably well. Um, and once you get out of that, it's like gear starts to become more of a requirement. And I think um, a lot of women are either they don't want to do it, they're hesitant to do it, or they don't really know how. And there's a lack of guidance um and also like probably some so, some level of like well i shouldn't need to be on this stuff if i want to do those categories yeah and yeah. the and clearly you don't but if you want to be competitive at the national level you do unless you're just a genetic freak yeah which they're out there but you know i always tell people like if you're a genetic freak you don't need me to tell you you probably already know it yeah yeah it's uh yeah i, w I wish it was different but at the same time I know, it's funny because the pro ranks are really stocked. Um, there's a lot of yeah. really high level competitors, but below that, like even at the the national level shows, um, it's it's a little thinner. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We got to fix that. We got to spread the word. Yeah, yeah, and I I just wish it would get to a place where, um, you know, it. I could confidently tell people, yeah, do bodybuilding, you know? Yeah. That's the other thing is it, it really, um, it does require just a more extreme human being also. Yeah. Like, you know, wh whether it's drugs or not, like you've got to embrace the extremes. Like you're not going to be competitive in female bodybuilding if you're 90% of the way in. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be a hundred or nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this has been awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Um, not that I can think of. Do you, uh, did you have get any more questions from the? There, there was, uh, there was one. Well, some guy asking if you're single. Um, I told you, like, there's always the creepers out there, right? <laughs> um, but that same guy also asked. Um, we kind of talked about this. What's your off and on season diet? We kind of covered that, and also, um, favorite supplement. Uh, I, I guess excluding Primo and NPP. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, it would have been those. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, my aminos, because they taste good. That, that's what it comes down to, right? It's like, what aminos or pre-workout taste the best? Yeah. yeah so th this is my favorite supplement. Um, autofocus. There we go. Is that a monster? Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the more rare. It's the ultra red. I have to order these off of Amazon. You can't really find them in stores. Are they like, like is the liquid red? Uh, it, this one is, yeah. See, I'm allergic to everything. I can't have red food dye. Oh, well, so there's this. There's also the uh, also rare, the ultra black, which strangely okay. is also red. So, okay. So stay away. <laughs> I can't do energy drinks anyway. They make me jittery. Oh, you're caffeine sensitive? Yeah. Oh, I see. I'm not. I can drink this and just go right to bed. Oh, my God. Yeah. Same thing. Like, I can take Clen and just, like, go to bed. Uh, they, yeah. I. That's one of the things that I didn't use um, that this past prep is what the post you were talking about. So that's what I was talking about. Um, one of the things I was talking about when I said I didn't use was basically all the stuff that would essentially help you, like clan. All the fat loss agents. Yeah, didn't use T3, didn't use diuretics. Only 
only NPP and Primo, and then a little bit of Anavar at the end. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Um, so, which is for if you don't know bodybuilding, um, for some people that might be like a lot, but for me, it was not, you know, especially compared to what some coaches have had me do in the past. Well, and for female bodybuilding specifically, not talking figure, not talking physique, like a typical female bodybuilding cycle is going to be pretty aggressive usually. And you're, I mean, you're going to have, and you've seen this on stage, I'm sure a lot, a lot more women with virilizing side effects on stage. Um, just because to put on the kind of mass that you need to be competitive, most people are going to have to run pretty aggressive stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that I was pretty happy with, uh, I know that wasn't the question, but (laughs) (laughs) Aminos, you said Aminos. That's fair. That's a good answer. (laughs) Um, the only other question that I had here, this was from Carla Rodriguez. Thanks Carla. Cause she, she's always, she's always got comments for me and stuff, which is great. Um, what age did you get started lifting? Was that like, you were talking about like working at the grocery store at 16. Was that when you started or was it a little after that? So that's when it started. It didn't like, I didn't know what I was doing necessarily. Um, it does. <laughs> like it was probably, I want to say a, a year into me, like weight training that I, what I thought was weight training, which is probably just doing everything wrong that um my friends turned into my friend the the trainer at the gym saw me and was like hey let me show you um so i would say 17 is when i started getting um like started actually training like right i guess yeah and so i mean think about that 17 to now started training to pro card it's not an overnight thing mm-hmm. it takes time e- even though you know you knew you wanted to do bodybuilding almost right away um, yeah. but there's that process of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. And, I got to make and, some mistakes. I got to be an idiot for a little bit. Exactly. But I didn't even know what competing was until I was, uh, until 2013. Um, like, yeah, when I, when I saw that magazine and I thought of like bodybuilders, I thought all they did was like photo shoots and stuff. <laughs> and, like old supplements. Like I-, I love that. I love that. That's hilarious. Because I I'd never even heard of a show. I never I didn't know what competing was. I didn't like I knew Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I thought that he was just like an actor and sold like supplements. Like that's what I thought. That's funny. Yeah. Never saw Pumping Iron then. Mm-hmm. Well, now I have, but back yeah. then, not 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 younger though. That's mm-hmm. that's hilarious. Oh my god, man, what a road! It's been quite a uh, quite a journey, and it feels does it feel kind of like now you're you're really kind of just starting over at this point, a fresh start. Um, it, like, I finally feel like it, things are complete, I guess. Like I always knew this is what I wanted to do. I always knew that, um, I would eventually turn pro, but, um, now it feels like, yeah, complete, not, not complete. Cause there's still things that I want to do obviously, but, um, like I'm not going against the grain. Like everyone in my life is pushing forward with me instead of like pushing back against me. Does that make sense? Like phase one is complete. Like you've got yeah. all the wheels, like the alignment on the car is set correctly. You've passed the first checkpoint and there's still road to chew up, but you've accomplished that much so far. Exactly. And like, and the car is actually working properly instead of have like one wheel, like going that way. A muffler you know? dragging on the ground. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, <laughs> let's keep the car in tip top shape. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. Well, this has been uh, super cool. I appreciate you taking the time. We we ran long on this one, but uh, yeah. I'm grateful for that. So um, I'll tell you what, hang around for just a second. I'm going to say okay. later to the audience, thanks for listening. This has been episode number. I have no idea what at this point, 230 something, whatever. So uh, again, thank you, Hannah Hussein. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening.